Hello and welcome. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie, and I come to you live every Thursday afternoon at 4 o'clock in the Seattle area Pacific Time, 7 o'clock in the Florida area Eastern Time. Hmm, what time is it? I think it's midnight in. Uh, in London. Thanks for joining me if you're wide awake having insomnia and wanting to get some skills for your writer's life. We jumped in last week talking about patterns and noticing that we have to pay attention to our patterns if we want to be successful at the game of writing and to produce a book. So we're going to continue on that path, but today we're really going to talk about how failures don't need to stop you. In fact, you can use your failures as a way to promote yourself out of a rut and out of old thinking and back into your writing vision. So that's what we're going to be jumping into today. I will be taking your calls, and I will be taking your questions on Facebook Messenger. I often post on my Facebook page, whether it be Coach Debbie, and that's D-E-B-B-Y, or on my personal page, which is Debbie Handrich, and it's just like it sounds, H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H, I post links for our show, and right down there in the comments, you can always send a question or a comment, or you can go to Facebook Messenger, where it's just me and you, and type in that question. Uh, Go ahead and tell me anything you want. Tell me your age. Tell me the city you're in. Tell me how long you've been writing, or just skip it and go right to your question. If you want your question to remain anonymous, say that as well. I never say last names, just so you know. But I often will say this is whoever, uh, first name, uh, to, you know, to just help us stay clear. But if you don't want that, you just say, I want to stay anonymous, and you got it. I'm getting some water. That's how we roll here. Many of you know that I help people write their books. Usually I'm working with first-time, second-time, or third-time authors. I love to help people develop their author mindset. So I offer a mastermind group of 90 days. The first two weeks are free, by the way. But we get into the notion that Being able to write a book takes the mind to write the book. You have to be aligned with the mind that does the writing. So this isn't the part of your mind that's all caught up in house cleaning. It's not the part of your mind that is all caught up in uh, getting rich. It's not the part of your mind that's all caught up in spending Sunday with the family. While those things might be great, you know, house cleaning, family time, earning some money, that's not the part of your mind that writes your book. And a lot of people don't know that. They don't understand that 
you have to have a relationship with the part of your mind that is doing the writing. So I help people cultivate that relationship and like we worked on last week, understand their patterns and like we're going to work on this week, understand where the failures happened and how to use that as a segue into success. Someone that I love dearly, Todd Allen, used to tell me, I know how to fail forward. He was speaking of himself and said, I know how to fail forward. And I thought that was a really, really great idea. It was the first time I had ever heard of failing and forward going together. But it's sort of this idea of don't stay in that failure. Don't harp on that failure. Don't let that failure take you into some deep, god-awful, gashed-up wound. Instead, let that failure help you move forward. It also doesn't mean don't pretend you didn't fail or don't pretend there isn't a real trigger in that, but let that failure be part of your learning and keep on a-going. And that's what we want as writers. We don't want to say, oh, yeah, one day I was on a roll and I, I wrote this amazing essay and then this terrible thing happened and I never wrote again. Uh-uh, it's over. You don't want to be that person. What's that old saying? Uh, if you fall off the horse, get right back on and ride again. I remember uh, being just a, a young kid in gymnastics, not even in writing. I was about 12 or 13 years old, and it was time to do this stunt in gymnastics on the balance beam, which is only four inches wide, let me say. And the stunt was called a dismount. So you're up on the balance beam, and you're going to do what looks like a cartwheel, but it goes really fast. It's called a round-off. And uh, you, you take a little bit of a run, and you, you, know, you go completely upside down. It's a stunt. It, it uh, requires some skill. So it was my turn to go. And, man, I just thought, oh, this is the day I die. This is, this is the day I croak right here. I'm... I'm never going to get through this thing. But I did it. I tried it. And lo and behold, my first hand landed so strong and my second hand missed the beam entirely and I went flying. And I, I really, I did. I hurt myself pretty darn good. But I remembered that saying in my head, which is, if you fall off the horse, you get right back on and you try again. And so I'll tell you, I wasn't so swift at this in my writing career, but as a gymnast, I tried it out. I actually did. I got right back on that balance beam. I tried it again. It wasn't perfect, but my little ambition as a gymnast was allowed to carry on because I didn't let that fall become this gapping hole in my life for days, weeks, months, years, generations. It was just a, a, a bad tumble, and it hurt, but I got right back up. I did it again, and my gymnastics fun, you know, I think it probably ended with high school, and that was that. But I hear from a lot of writers, oh, I remember the last time I wrote. You want to know why it was the last time? 
because something big happened and they just weren't sure how to get back up on the horse and gallop on. They just weren't sure. Why? Because they identified with that big fall as a failure. So failures are there for our growth and they're meant for us to use as forward motion, not as our death, right? Not as our death. So we're going to be getting into principles that I teach people in my signature writing program. Oh, Coach Debbie, tell us about your signature writing program. (gasps) I thought you'd never ask. Sure, let me tell you about it. My signature writing program, like I started to tell you, is for first time, second time, and third time authors who are scratching their head and saying, I think it's time for me to write that book. We go through a 90-day or a six-month process, your choice. I have two programs available where we really dive into the type of writer you are, the type of book you are envisioning, and we create it. And at the end of that 90 days or six months, you're ready to go. If you want to go and get your agent, you're ready. If you want to send that off to a world premiere editor, you're ready. If you're saying, I'm self-publishing this thing, you're ready. You are there. What I love about the Signature Writing Program is that you and I are doing a lot of work together, so we get to know each other really well. You get the support you need, and because I'm always enrolling people, there are willing participants to be in community with you as you choose. So if you want to share Beyond Me with a community of safe people that I'm constantly watching and observing so nobody gets out of line, right? You can share your work with them and get even more feedback. But if you want to just keep it to one-on-one and the forms that I have created for you and the archetypes we're going to go through and the movies you're going to watch to support you and the homework that is tried and true, etc., 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 you can have it that way too. It's, it's kind of like, what was that, the Whopper? You know, you can have it your way. So what are some of the ways that we fail forward? Well, we're going to be getting right into that. If you have questions about that, please feel free to write to me on Facebook Messenger, or I'll even give you my email address. Write to me at Debbie, D-E-B-B-Y, at CoachDebbie.com. That's my email. I am the only one that reads it. I'm the only one that has the password. Debbie at CoachDebbie.com. And I will offer you coaching right here. One last pitch, and that is come January. I will be working with five writers, five first-time, second-time, or third-time writers who have the desire that by summertime 2020, they want to be on the beach enjoying their life again. They want to have their book done. 
If you're one of those people, I encourage you to get in touch with me so we can have a conversation about what phase you are in with your book. The only phase you need to have completed is to have a strong desire to write it. If you haven't written a word yet, it's totally fine. And I help people with self-development books. I really love helping people with their legacy, their family story. I love working with fiction. The only thing I, I don't really do, and that's because I have a limited readership of it, is the the deep and the dark science fiction. I, I have a good sense of it, but but like I said, I like to help people in legacy memoir fiction self-development because I have read so much. And I have a very good sense of matching your personality with the thing you want to be able to write and keep you on the path of producing your book. All right. So that's what I am up to. I have a lot of archetypes we're going to work on today. Uh, I don't know exactly how many we're going to get to, but you know what an archetype is. It's basically a pattern that many of us align with personality-wise. We don't really we don't really have choice. So if you are a follower of the hero's journey, as I am, you might know a little bit about uh, the warrior, the warrior archetype. So that's just another way of saying the personality of the person that likes to be up front, that personality that's so brave, that personality that takes on the world, that, that honors his heroism. Uh, he does have a little bit of a cowardly lion in his shadow. All archetypes do have a little bit of a shadow that they have to work on. Uh, they do like to be, you know, banging on their chest and, and strong. But, th- but they, they also, uh, sometimes as they go to bed at night, they are also the people that shed a lot of tears worried that the world might see one or two of their flaws before they come up with a way to fix it. So that's an archetype. That's what we would call a warrior archetype and the shadow side of the warrior. So I'm going to take you through a whole bunch of archetypes today that have to do with writers. I'm going to kind of shine a light on some of the failures that an archetype will stumble into, and then how you fail forward, as my dear one Todd Allen would say, so you find that path of success. Because I I really do, I want to tell you, even while you're failing, you are on your path of success. You might be a little bit nose down on it, You might be a little bit scraped up from it, but it doesn't mean you've left your path. One of the things we have to kind of embrace is that we didn't come to this world really choosing our personalities. And yet, if we understand our personalities, we have a whole lot of choice. 
Okay? So I've given you a lot to think about. We somehow are at the end of our first segment for the show. We have two breaks in this show. This is a great time to pick up your phone and text your question. And after this break, we're going to come right back and we're going to jump right into archetype number one. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Kathy Cooper, and every Wednesday from 1 to 2 p.m., I'll be hosting Lost and Found. We'll be discussing all types of losses, but it's not going to be the doom and gloom hour. It'll be an hour of education, support, validation, and yes, we will have a little bit of humor. So won't you join me Wednesdays, 1 to 2 p.m., Lost and Found, because every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier-hound chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, oh, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Bored with the other stations? Hammering away on the same old talking points? Try Alternative Talk 1150 and get some variety. Bored with the other stations? That was hilarious. I have never heard that little break before. I love that. You're not bored here. You're excited here, even though we are going to talk about some of those failures you were hoping we would never look at. But by looking at them, you're back on the path of success. Okay, my dear writer, we're going to jump right in here. This is Story You Talk Radio with your coach, Coach Debbie. That's me. All right. Is this you? Does this sound like you? You value high quality, but sometimes you value it to a fault. Is that you? Have you ever been that writer that has to plan out every little bit of your book before you get going on it? You have to do every possible interview before you even write your table of contents? Are you the person who is... uh, kind of hiding a little anxiety that this book not might not be big enough in the world when it's done. So you do so much on the front end that you never get to your desk and write. Is that you? You might have a story around that somewhere in your memory, in your past, in your life. And you don't know how that all happened because you would say, I value high quality. How did this happen to me? 
Well, sometimes when we value high quality, we're kind of covering up some of our anxieties and our fears that we do have some faults like everybody else. Everybody has faults. Everybody. It doesn't mean that they're huge. It just means that we have them, you know. So how do you get back on track when you value high quality, but something, we'll just use my little metaphor before, something knocked you off your horse. Something threw you over the side of the balance beam. Something made you anxious or embarrassed to share what you have to say. It just didn't work out. How do you get back to it? Well, this is my advice to you. One, you start by realizing that even if your besties, especially your writing besties, haven't admitted a lot of their faults to you, they've got them. I've got them. They've got them. And so it's okay that you've got them. It's okay. Another thing is that you kind of let yourself lean into the idea that your integrity is a wonderful thing. Yeah. The fact that you value quality is actually also a beautiful thing. It doesn't need to be knocking you off your horse or keeping you from writing the next assignment in front of you. In fact, integrity, that high-quality standard you are trying to uphold, could lead you to the next writing assignment that some of your peers wouldn't dare take on because they're not committed at that level, but you are. And so that's something you need to be embracing. Whatever happened back there in your history, whatever knocked you off your horse and made you go, gosh, I thought I was a person of such high standards, but I was seen in this fault that I have. Now, who knows what that fault was? Maybe somebody called you a name. Often people that have high standards are called this ugly name, perfectionist. Maybe somebody called you a nasty word like that and you decided you would never write again. Well, that's not serving you if you're a writer. So come back to your strength. Your strength is that you have high standards. You know how to go for those high-profile assignments. So get back in that race and do what you know how to do well and forgive yourself that sometimes a fault comes up and it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to be out there kind of naked in your fault when what you want is to be seen as a high-quality writer. Okay? I hope that supports you if you fall under this first archetype that I'm talking about. You might be saying, where'd she get these archetypes? Well... Um, would you hold it against me if I said I made them up? I didn't totally make them up. I, I studied the Enneagram for a long time. I studied the hero's journey for a long time. I studied Carol Pearson and her incredible take on uh, stories and fiction and 
writers and how they work with archetypes. I studied Christopher Vogler and his film directing. I studied, believe it or not, 12-step principles. Because if you ask me, the, the entire 12-step matrix is a heroic journey. Go back and take a look at that thing. It'll knock you over. The day I realized that, I was, I was deep in a, what we call the amends. You know, I was two-thirds of my way through my 12-step process with friends and family members and codependent tendencies. And uh, I went, oh, my goodness. This thing is right out of my college degree. It's right out of mythology. Whether Bill W. understood that or not when he was working with AA principles and whether Lois understood that or not when she was working with Al-Anon principles and whether Tony understood that or not when he was working with adult child and inner work principles, well, I don't know. But there's so much commonality. And when you're like me and you love going to school and studying psychology and sociology and mythology and literature and all of that, yeah, you start to develop your own ideas and your own pathways. And you do this from working with a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people. You could say my classroom was sort of my, mm, oh, it, it helped me conduct lots of experiments of looking for the patterns that people live with and the archetypes that either are supporting them or keeping them stuck, and in most cases, both. So if you were to sign up for one of my programs, we would go into deeper depth. But to just keep it simple, we just talked about the very first archetype. I want to encourage you, if it speaks to you, write in and we'll deal with your situation. So let's move on to the second archetype. Keeping in mind, we're thinking about how does a failure lead me further down the path of success as opposed to how do my failures keep me licking my wounds and, in, and, and diving deeper into my ruts. So archetype number two, does this sound like you? Are you one of those people that is just absolutely full of ideas. You're like the idea catalyst, and then you go completely AWOL. Is that you? Are you that person that everyone can count on for support and, and helping them get clear again and helping them find a vision? And right about the time when things get into high-pressure mode, you can't be found? Maybe you've been called a flake. Oh, that hurts. A flake. I'm the blondest girl you've ever met, and even though people make blonde jokes, and I'm supposed to know that flakes and blondes go together, I can't take it. If someone calls me a flake, I get my dukes up. I think I'm going to take them out. Nobody likes to be called names, right? But when you're called a name, and you're a writer, and... Oh, it can take you down. It can take you into that rut. If, if you're one of those people 
who is an idea catalyst, you can sometimes be quite a dreamer. You're always full of ideas. But your failure point is that, um, how do I say it? It's not so much that you procrastinate, but you might. But it, it's more that you you come out of the gate running and you just don't know how to follow through, so you disappear. And that thing you were working on, that book, that blog, that brand, it disappears too. And then you keep it a secret that you ever wanted it and... Oh, man, all kinds of hard stuff can come out of that. So what is that? That's just a pattern. It's also, if you go AWOL, it's kind of a failure. But, again, it can be you failing forward into success because behind that need to go AWOL is a super-duper creative personality. You are someone that people look to when they need ideas. You're someone that people look to when they need clarity. So all I can say is market that. (laughs) Get yourself into a writing career where that's sort of the beginning and end of what you do. You're the idea maker. I I would just advise you right there, advertising would work great with your writing skills because advertising is is chunked down into all sorts of bits. You could be the person on the front end that says, hey, I got a great idea for a campaign. And everybody's listening and everybody's excited and then they all go to work on it and you go to work on the next campaign, fulfilling the ideas part. That's important It's important to embrace that and not think of it as a failure because people want your ideas and they can maximize your ideas. And don't don't let this hurt your feelings, but they can maximize your ideas in ways that you just might not have the creative energy to follow through with. So why not embrace it? Why not get yourself into a writing job where that's exactly what you do? If you do it, you ain't going to feel like a failure. I promise you. How's this serving you? Are you relating with archetype one or archetype two? Let me go over to my Facebook page and see what people are saying so far. It looks like, looks like you're not saying anything. Come on. I know you've got ideas. I would like to hear, how does this relate to you? Or does it not relate to you? Is there some other archetype you want to talk about? You don't have to be skilled in archetypes. You just have to know, hey, one day this happened to me and I'm stuck. Okay? I just fed it to you. One day something happened to me and now I'm stuck. Just say that much. And I'll, I'll walk you through the archetype you're in and how to get out of it. And if you want, if you need a little enticement, if you go ahead and drop me your P.O. box or something like that, I will send you a personalized journal 
with some writing tips to take you out of that archetype. That's something I usually only offer to my signature people. But if you want to be in on it, I'd be happy to do that for you for free. Why? Because this show's better when you participate. So come on, write to me. All right, let's go on to archetype number three. You ready? Is this you? Do you love to be seen as the shining star? That really prolific author? Do you love, love, love to be known by hundreds and thousands and maybe even millions of people that just hang on every word you say? If you do, I'm going to bring out your shadow side or that side of you that has known failure and it goes just like this. You're someone that fails to tell the truth all the time. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't serve you in some way to not look pretty. You like to shine pretty. You like things that look good, especially you. And so when things ain't looking pretty, yeah, off you rattle off some sort of big tail. Well, I can understand that. I can understand the first time it happens to you, the only way out is to pull up a huge white lie. I can also understand trying it a second time, but boy, you don't want to dig yourself into some sort of rut that a lie will save you. Why? Because you have this value of being known as someone who shines, and real integrity shines because it's honest. Yeah. So, you might be someone that likes to look pretty, that likes to look good, but do it, do it from your heart and soul. Yeah. And if you get stuck, hire a coach, get some help, enroll in a class, take a time out, or dive even deeper. But, but don't tell lies. Yeah. Don't do that one. Because lies, uh, I found... Again, back to mythology, back to sociology, psychology, back to 12 steps. I found out lies are one of the great addictions. It can keep people really, really trapped, really, really stuck in ruts. And I think part of it is because if you don't get caught, somehow the psychology, and this is where, where my ideas can kind of fall flat because I can't explain it, but I've been told if, if you get into a pattern with your brain of getting away with a white lie, you develop some sort of groove that makes you think white lies are some form of reality. There's a whole science behind it. I, I can't speak to it with great depth because I don't really know a lot about it. But I'll tell you this, I was kind of shocked to hear about it. And it also, as many of you know, I used to teach college writing. It also opened up a world of knowledge for me because, you know, I knew my students were lying to me. I knew the dog didn't eat their paper. I knew that the, 
you know, the whole assignment didn't go up in flames in front of them. What I, I knew that stuff wasn't true, but I, I didn't know what was behind that big fat lie they were telling me. And really, it was just this. They wanted to look pretty. They wanted to get an A. They wanted to shine bright. They wanted me to write in blue ink all over their paper how much I loved their story. They didn't want any red lines at all. So, to get out of any red lines at all, what'd they do? Yeah, they, uh, they fed their paper to their dog or whatever. But they didn't tell the truth. And, and learning that, you know, telling little white lies and getting away with it can be really addictive started to help me as a teacher watch that pattern of failure, forgive them for that pattern of failure, forgive myself for holding them to a high standard or not not letting them know this is just a first draft. We're just we're just doing our best here. And and to come back and fail forward and and to let them know, yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna offer you a critique or two of how to make this better. But for every critique I offer you, I'll be sure to tell you three areas where you were shining bright. And you know what? That became my structure for just about every student. Because bottom line, we all want to be shiny. We do. All right, I hope I am serving you. We've got three archetypes out so far of how we fail forward into our success as writers. We're going to take our last break here. Please write to me and ask me your question. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When Dad injured his back... When your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country, and tragically, More than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. 
Welcome back. If you are just tuning in, this is Story You Talk Radio. Today we're talking to writers about their writing careers, how maybe in the past you may have experienced some failures and you may be hanging out in the land of rut. And I just want to tell you, you don't belong there. I have a writing program for the person who has a strong desire to write their book, who has a strong commitment and is willing to work for 90 days or even six months to complete a finished draft, a beginning, middle, and end of your book so that, well, if you start in early 2020, come summertime, you're going to be relaxing while your editor is busy at work. If that's you, I encourage you to get in touch with me. You can write to me at Debbie, and that is D-E-B-B-Y, at CoachDebbie.com, Debbie at CoachDebbie.com. You can send me a Facebook message. You can mm, you can call me up. Yeah, I'll give, a, I'll give you a challenge. Call me up, and we'll talk, and we'll get going on that. But today we're really working on how, how do we accept that at one time there was some sort of failure and really embrace the fact that it happened on our path to success. Most of us tell the story that if we've had a failure, we got off our path, we got off track. Well, I, I, think, I think the path you're on is going to have some failures. So how do you use those failures to brush off, take inventory of what happened, get up, stand tall, and get back to your writing? Yeah. This show is always better when people write in and ask questions. So Sue, you are my new best friend. Thank you for writing in. Sue says she is here in the Bellevue, Washington area. So glad you are doing this topic today on failures because I am one of those people that does not like to talk about my failures at all. However, Sue, I just want to say that what you have written in today aligns perfectly with what I call archetype number eight. So in a minute, we're just going to skip right over to that. Sue says... uh, My writing is something that takes up my whole life. I'm really obsessed with it. I know I'm a good writer, but the problem is that I can't really break away and just do other things if I get deep in some sort of project. I know it... Oh, I have to bleep this word, Sue. I I know it... uh, uh, mm, frustrates my husband and I know it ooh, Sue we can't use those words on the air um let's see here I we're gonna go with I know it frustrates my husband and I know it causes shall we say interference uh at work and let's come back to your words now And that, in exchange, ends up leaving me feeling super moody and not going to work and not talking to my husband. In fact, we're in a fight right now. 
So I'm writing to you because I think my writing life matters a lot. How do I help people understand that it is one of my hugest priorities as well as a a wealth? I think it's wealth as well as a wealth of happiness for me. Okay. Good job, Sue. All right. We're going to dive into this here. Your key word there was that you, um, you feel obsessed with your writing life and that you put all of your energy into it. You go wholehearted into it. So, Sue, doesn't it just make sense that if you're not seen for being that bright, thoughtful, courageous woman as a writer, that it's going to leave you in all these bleepity bleep words you came up with? Is it? Doesn't that just make sense to you? It makes sense to me. But there is a way to work with that. One is to, first of all, accept that it's normal to feel angry when the thing you care about so much actually takes a lot of your energy and a lot of your concentration. But what I want you to start working on is noticing that the, the moodiness is there because there's, there's actually a part of you that, that does want to break. It's, it's your boss and your husband and your kids. Did you say your kids? It, it's your people that are, are showing up in the world and saying, hey, take a break. Hey, take a break in whatever way they do it. But the, the moodiness you're feeling, the obsession that you have to get it done, sometimes that shows up, and, and I'm speaking from some experience here, Sue. I, I've gone down this path. Um, th- it, that stuff happens because deep, deep down underneath it all, deep, deep down underneath this high-quality, wonderful writing project you've got going on, you want a break too. You do. You, you don't want to have to sleep with this book anymore. You, you kind of want it to be done. And it's hard to admit that, you know, especially when we have given so much to it and we know it's good. Yeah. I hear that in your tone. Uh, you used the word wealth. You said that this, this project brings you a wealth of happiness. Sure it does. But, but. Sue, your husband can bring you a wealth of happiness, too, and he's probably waiting on the sidelines for the chance to do that. And your kids and, and other things that could open up in your career. So, so just embrace that a little, that you have been obsessive. I'm only using that word because you used it first. I'm not calling you that. But you have been obsessive because... To some degree, it has served you. But now, yeah, back off it just a little bit and give yourself the break that maybe 
you were thinking you don't deserve, but everybody else recognizes that you do. And just see how that serves you. I'm going to invite you to write to me in a week or two or three and let me know, is that serving you? Was I wrong? Um, Sue, I've been there. It's a tricky one, but it will take you out of the sort of writer's holism that you accidentally found yourself in. Okay, thank you, Sue, for writing to me. We've only got about eight or nine minutes left, so let's see how many more archetypes we can knock out here. So how about this one? Is this you? Are you one of those people that knows that you are so capable and sort of a natural at writing that sometimes you wing it to the point that you lose all control of your project? Mm. Does that sound like you? Does that does that measure up? Are, are you one of those people that people have even maybe even said to you, you are a born writer and inside you're thinking, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of am, huh? I'm kind of good at this. Uh, in a in a class I took once around money, I heard uh, an archetype like this was sort of called the the maverick. Uh, they're the ones that they're kind of rebellious underneath it all. They're like, yeah, I got this down. I I was born knowing how to do this. I'm 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 good at it. And and so because. Because you have confidence as you deserve, because you you understand the craft of writing, ooh, sometimes that boldness gets in your way and you lose track of your project. Maybe maybe it's because you're you're trying to completely reinvent something uh, that you're writing on, or. Uh, you just figured you'd make the deadline. It was easy enough to write about, and you missed it. You know, you missed it big time. Or maybe it was something you thought, ah, I have a lot of words to say on that, a lot. You had sort of a bold approach to it in your mind, but as soon as you picked up the pen, you found the brakes coming on, and you realized, ah, this topic I'm in, it's not, it's not as much in my, my, uh, my set of skills that I, I thought. And, and so what are you doing? You're, you're in this place of winging it, dodging it, and hoping it all works out in the end. You're kind of, uh, you're bitten to bandages. You're one of those people that, that, uh, well, if, if it's a business you're running, uh, let's say you're running a magazine, uh, you might be one of the people saying, uh, get this for me and do that for me and take care of this for me. And you've sort of lost the appreciation for your workers because you're feeling embarrassed that, you know, this task is on you. It's on your shoulders and you're not quite sure how to finish it up. As a writer, we don't have to know everything about every topic. 
In fact, we never know everything about every topic. Remember the word research? We got to put in our plan enough time to research. So for this archetype, this is what I would call the, the fifth type, um, lean into the fact that, yeah, your natural instincts around writing feed your capabilities, but sometimes you will find yourself in a topic or in a predicament that you can't wing your way through it. You, you have to be a little more humble and ask people for some help and be a good receiver and not just stick a bandage on it and call it good and run away forever if the bold message doesn't make it through. But, you know, to, to find your way back to you have a great idea and you have a timeline that's workable. So stay with the great idea. Stay with the timeline. And, and don't let the ego get the best of you. Because if it does, you'll hide. That shadow side will come through. I wonder if we have time for one more. Let me check in with my engineer. How much time do we have? We've got about two minutes, Debbie. No, oh, two minutes. Okay, here we go. Here's one more. Um, which one will I pick? Which one will I pick? How about... Oh, <laughs> how about this one? How about you love the PR side of writing and you love make public appearances and you, you love going on book tours, but writing the book... Yeah, not so much. <laughs> so what do you do? You hire a ghostwriter. And you put all your faith in the idea that your thoughts are going to be expressed the way you want. That can lead to a long project. It's not a bad idea. It's just you got to ask yourself, do I have the time? Do I really have the time? Sometimes it can mean that the glamour is so important that um, your message didn't, it didn't really get into the book because you weren't owning it. You were in the background making your hair look good for the book tour. You were on the sidelines talking to your agent, making sure that every last detail for your book cover uh, is pretty. But were you, were you really looking over the content of the writing and being honest and forthright that that's your body of work? You're not just on book tour here. You're, you're, you're not just up on stage spouting off. No, you're here to serve. Your book is here for a purpose. Your book lives inside of you before it lives out in the world. That's why I say your book is already inside of you. Yeah. My dear friend Todd Allen said, discover the book within you. It was such a good line that I stole it and I put it right on my business cards. That book is inside of you. So fail forward, embrace your success, Look for your archetypes, 
Sign up for a class or a coach if you feel that's your next step. But I hope more than anything, I'll get to see you back here next Thursday on Story You Talk Radio. Namaste. Namaste.